is up everybody welcome back to the podcast for another episode i hope you all have been doing amazing this week it's been a very very busy week but i'm excited to sit down and talk with you about a topic that i am passionate about it's currently 11 11 make your wish on wednesday january 25th so two days before this episode comes out i had an impulse to sit down and record this episode now because i forgot that I had class early in the morning, which is when I was originally going to record this episode. So I was like, well, crud, I got to kind of do it now so that I can edit it tomorrow because what, tomorrow's Thursday? I'm not going to have time to do it tomorrow. I have a busy day tomorrow. But needless to say, I hope you all have had a great week. My week has been pretty busy so far. I've had friends come up this weekend, which I was thankful for. And then yesterday I recorded another podcast episode with some of my friends. And then obviously today I had class all day. Oh, also I had to take my car to the car dealership because my trunk has not been opening for like the last two months. Was there all day. Had to take a shuttle to class. All for them to call me and say that my valet mode on my car was on. Whatever valet mode is, apparently I learned what valet mode was yesterday that I turned on like two months, two, three months ago. Basically, it's when you your car's being valeted and you put on this mode so that no one can access your trunk. Well, I didn't know that that was on. So for two months, my golf clubs have been sitting back there along with my rain boots and some other random things. Anyways, we got that figured out. Luckily, I didn't have to pay anything to fix that. Well, there was really nothing to fix. But... Needless to say, we got it done, and then this weekend, I'm going home to record another podcast episode with another guest, so I've been busy, but needless to say, I've had a good time being busy. I've enjoyed it, I'm thankful for it, I'm grateful for it. So, without further ado, let's jump into this episode. So, the topic for today is a topic that I am passionate about. Um, This is really going to be a whole mental health episode, and I'm solo in it today. As you can tell, I don't have a guest today, but next week we have a guest, the following week we have a guest, and then the following week we have a guest. So I decided to kind of jump in, go solo, talk to you about my thoughts about counseling. So this topic today is counseling, and the episode is titled Counseling My Opinion. So I want to put a disclaimer out there before we get started. I am not a professional or a counselor or therapist. This episode is solely my opinion on these topics. So I want you to get that in your mind because you're probably going to hear potentially things that you either agree or disagree with. And I want you to know that these are all my opinions and they are not necessarily backed up by any, um, you know, LPC, which stands for licensed professional counselor, um, anything like that. Now I did take time and meet with my counselor today and tell her that I was doing this. And so she gave me a lot of her feedback as well from a lot of different things um, that she has seen. So some of this is backed by her, but also some of this is just my opinion and research that I found online. So I'm going to get into it. So two different definitions that I really want to go over. And what is a counselor? Um, Counselor, being a counselor kind of broadly refers to a professionally trained person in the fields of psychology. Um, And a lot of times counselors treat different issues, um, in a more practical way. Um, and then a therapist, which I also wanted to go over the definition is someone who has been trained to provide 
some form of therapy to a patient or client that addresses either physical or mental uh, disorders. Um, a lot of times therapists tend to go deeper into the how and why uh, something where a counselor sometimes won't do that. But in the field of mental health, they are very, very similar and almost interchangeable. So I'm probably going to use the word counselor. So just know that these therapist counselor are interchangeable and I'm not intentionally using one or the other. Um, again, I'm not a professional, therefore I couldn't say whether it's one or the other, but I always kind of call it counseling when I talk about it. So before we really get started on the nitty gritty and the thoughts, I wanted to share a little bit about my first counseling experience. Um, just so you know that I'm not talking about this in a way of like, it's all been beneficial or it's all been bad. I've had both good and bad experiences. And my first experience was unfortunately not so great with counseling. Um, so as you know, a lot of, a lot of it, I've talked about it in other episodes, but, um, I had two friends early in my lifetime, um, die. And, uh, when I was 13, my friend, Nathan Clark was tragically struck by a bullet that a stray bullet that had gone through a hotel wall and hit him in the back of the head. And, um, he was 14 at the time and I was 13. And so dealing with that as a 13 year old is very unique. And it's something that a lot of people don't have to deal with. Um, my parents were there for me as much as they could be, but they thought, Hey, maybe it might be good, um, to go see a counselor or a pastor or something like that. So I actually went and saw my head pastor at the, um, the church that I was attending and I went to sit down. I talked to him, um, for my first appointment and, he was like, basically, tell me what's been going on. So I told him what's been going on. And at the end of the session, um, he basically said the reason that I was struggling with um, mourning of my friend's death was because my faith wasn't strong enough, which I could not disagree more with. Um, and so that really honestly turned me off from counseling as a whole and the church as a whole. So you're hearing this from someone who has had good and bad experiences in counseling. And unfortunately my first experience in counseling was just not positive. Another thing that I want to go into that it's good um, to remember that is that uh, everyone can benefit from counseling or therapy. Um, so I know that I take kind of a mental health take on a lot of things, but I want you to know that whether you have mental health struggles or not, it is always beneficial most of the time to go see a counselor or a therapist to just talk about uh, life and things that you're going through. Because a lot of times you don't realize you need that. And a therapist or counselor is basically a professional stranger who has gone through school who can help you dig deeper into why things are happening in your life. Or they can just ask you the prompting questions that you need to be asked with to make sure and just really check in in your life. So you've got to be intentional about taking care of yourself mentally. And I think that that is one incredible way to do that. So um, my thoughts on it are that I want to make that statement clear. I am a big proponent that counseling and therapy is awesome. Um, I'm going to kind of go into my thoughts and then a lot of major misconceptions about counseling or therapy or um, drugs that can be used to help treat anxiety or depression. But my original and thought and statement that I am sticking with is that I am a fan of it. And I think that anybody should go to counseling or therapy because I think that it can be very beneficial. Now, I understand that not everyone's, I guess, um, story with counseling or therapy has all been good. I, again, I've had a bad experience with it, but I decided to give it another go and I've absolutely loved it. And I have realized how great it can be. I will say that 
if you're thinking about doing counseling or therapy, um, I am a believer and I am a Christian, um, and I'm not afraid to say that. I believe that a Christian counselor would be the best route for you to go. And I say this for a few reasons. Um, one, because it biblically talks about in the Bible um, seeking wise counsel for your life. When you go see a counselor um, that is a Christian that uh, offers Christian counseling services, you know that you're getting biblical advice and you know that they are able to help you and understand you from a biblical point of view. So I think that that is also very important because you don't want to feel like you're, if your faith is something that is very strong to you, you don't want to feel like you're having to suppress that because your counselor isn't a Christian or doesn't understand that. That's why I always agree that going to see a Christian counselor can be very beneficial. Another thing that I would say too is if you do go decide the the route of a non-Christian counselor, be intentional to take what they say somewhat lightly because in my head, it almost is similar to getting advice from the world. Um, however, I do believe that they can help you better understand the how and why and the science behind what you're going through. Um, and a Christian counselor can do the same thing. But I'm just saying, if you do decide to go the route of a non-Christian counselor, just be intentional about what they're saying, because I have heard counselors say like, you know, you're struggling with this and this, you just need to go do what makes you happy. Well, a lot of times the things that make people happy are not always biblical things. So um, this is not me, for example. Um, but if what made me happy was going and drinking alcohol to the point of getting drunk to where I'm not, um, you know, worried about my feelings anymore. If they say, hey, go do what makes you happy. And in my head, that's what makes me happy. That's not sound advice. And so I think that like a Christian counselor would never give you that advice. And a Christian counselor would be able to give you advice that is biblically sound. And so I think that it is important if you can seek a biblical counselor or therapist to do that, because I have had biblical counseling and therapists in my life, and I've been so grateful for the impact that they have had. Um, and so, yes, yeah, so I am a big proponent of counseling and therapy, and I think that um, a lot of people should try it out more. Um, now I want to go into the nitty gritty of some major misconceptions of counseling again, drugs that are used to treat anxiety or depression or anything like that. Um, so these are a lot of misconceptions that have been brought before me that I've heard or people have said like, hey, Colby, I want to get your take on what you think about this. Um, and before I start, I want to say and make this statement that I do believe God is a vital tool to fighting um, your mental health struggles or any struggles in life. God is a vital tool. So I want you to hear me say that my faith had never been stronger. Um, when I was in like the deep dark pits of my mental health struggles, because it was a reliance on God that I had to use every single day, um, to get up. And it encouraged me to continue to do that. Even when I wasn't struggling with my mental health. Um, so I'm very grateful. That's one of the things that I'm grateful for that I went through when I was really in the deep pits of my mental health struggles. But I do want to say that um, a lot of people have the thought of, well, if you are a Christian, like you don't need counseling, therapy or drugs to help with your anxiety, depression, because you should just know that God's enough. Um, and I, I do believe that God has the ability to heal, heal you if it's within his will. But I will also say you have to understand that we live in a sinful and fallen world, which is why we struggle with these things. Um, I could say the same thing about like, if God is enough in your life, then you shouldn't struggle with any type of sin. Um, and so 
my, my take on that is yes, God is a vital tool that you are able to use and rely on. And he has helped me so much, but he also has created other tools to help us get through things in life. For instance, drugs to help anxiety and depression. That's one of them. He created scientists who created those drugs who then are uh, released them for you know drug companies to put out there for people to use. Um, so I want to stop on that point and say that, look, a lot of people who struggle with anxiety or depression um, suffer from chemical imbalances in their head. Me personally, I uh, a lot of doctors and, and psychiatrists have said this. Um, within my head, I've had about nine concussions. So I've had a lot of concussions in my life. And a lot of them believe that the reason that I struggle with um, depression and anxiety is because I have chemical imbalances in my head, therefore, and potentially from the injuries that I've had. So I would like to say too, um, some people like myself have chemical imbalance from balances from injuries. Therefore, when we take the medicine, which is if it's anxiety medicine, depression medicine, uh, those a lot of times are interchangeable and, and can be used to treat both of those things. But they allow yourself and allow my brain to chemically balance itself because of my imbalances. Um, and so when you experience anxiety, for instance, you're experiencing an excess of dopamine um, in your brain, and sometimes too much serotonin in your brain as well. But when you are experiencing depression, you oftentimes are experiencing not enough dopamine or serotonin in your brain. So when I was experiencing those, when I was anxious and depressed, my brain was fluctuating so much from too much dopamine and serotonin to too little dopamine and serotonin. Um, and so when I got put on medicine, what that does is it basically balances it out in the middle so that your brain is functioning as a normal brain should function. So when people are like, well, there's no, no need for medication if God is enough. Um, one, yes, God is a tool you can use, but I also believe medicine is as well. And another thing I would say is, when you go to the doctor or say, hey, I have chronic high blood pressure, so I take blood blood pressure medication, um, take that same philosophy that you have and just stop taking your blood pressure medication and, and see if God is enough. Now, I solely believe, like I said, that God can heal you, and I might step on toes when I say that, and I think God can heal you, but at the same time, if you're there taking blood pressure medication, and this is just an example, because you have chronic high blood pressure, or you take Motrin when you have a headache, why would you not take medication when you have a chemical imbalance of some sort in your head? It just doesn't make sense why some people say that I, you know, my parents won't let me take medicine because they don't believe in it. Well, that's weird because you take medicine for other things. Why would you not take medicine for one of the most vital parts of your body, which is your brain? Like your brain is one of the most vital and most important organs in your body. So take care of it. And a lot of times taking care of it is allowing yourself to be able to um, feed it what it needs to be fed to operate normally. So keep that in mind as well. Another misconception is there is no need for any type of help or therapy if God is enough. Um, again, we live in a sinful world and we have to realize that. Uh, God created the scientists and to create medicines and most of the time, um, you are experiencing those chemical imbalances uh, when you are struggling with something like that. Also with, with therapy too. Um, a lot of people aren't huge proponents of therapy. For what reason? A lot, of, a lot of times it's personal reasons. But I will say that it has helped me tremendously. 
Um, and I spent 18 weeks in therapy last year and then I kind of took a break from it. And then, um, earlier last semester, I think it was, I got back into it. Um, and I pay for it. Um, and so it's not like one of those things that insurance covers, but I believe that it's one of those things that I don't mind paying for because it is something that betters me. And it is something that I, um, I will never think that it is stupid to pay for something that invests in yourself. So whether it's a workout plan, whether it is, um, therapy, whether it is, you know, a number of different things, I think that it's important to realize and understand that therapy is something that is good for the mind and good for the soul. And I've had a lot of people who weren't in therapy and after I've talked to them, um, have been like, Hey, I wanted you to know I'm trying therapy and counseling. and I absolutely love it. I don't think I've had one person come to me that hasn't been in it that I've encouraged to go do it that has said, oh man, I just had an awful experience in therapy. Now I will say you do have to take the long ball approach when you are trying out counselors and therapists because there are gonna be times where you just don't vibe with your counselor or therapist and that's completely normal. I want you to understand that if you go and you're like, man, I I just don't really like my counselor or don't really like my therapist, it is okay for the for you to tell them like, hey, like, is it okay if I try out someone else? They are used to that. They are normal, um, and they might even say, hey, at the beginning or the first session you have, if you don't feel like you and I are vibing or anything like that, we can find someone else for you. Like we can make this work for you. So take the long ball approach. Don't think that the first time you go, like that's going to be your experience every single time. You also have to take that approach on medicine as well because. I've shared my journey with medication in the first episode, but there were about five different medications that I tried before I found the medicine that I was on. Um, and it, it was a journey because I didn't have my mindset at the long ball approach. I just assumed the first medicine that I was going to try was going to be beneficial. Unfortunately, it didn't work for me. The second medicine didn't work. The third medicine didn't work. The fourth medicine didn't work. I was just ready to give up. I was like, this is ridiculous. Like, I, I, I'm so tired of it. Ultimately, I decided to continue to push on and I found a medicine that works for me and I've been very grateful because um, it does help. Your brain needs different things and there are different medications that do different things and some work and some don't. But as long as you take the long ball approach and, and, and understand that it is a journey, like once you realize that, you're like, okay, I can do this. I can figure this thing out. Take the same approach with counseling and therapy. Sometimes your therapist or your counselor, you're not gonna vibe with it, but don't quit then. Do not quit when... Um, it, it, I guess it's hard. Don't quit when it doesn't you know, necessarily make sense, but like push through it, be intentional to try to find someone else in that space who can help you because there are people out there that want to help you and can help you. You just have to be intentional to go out and actually do those things. Um, another uh, statement that I had given to me the other day, which I thought was an interesting take. Someone said to me um, that the use of counselors and therapists have never been higher in the United States. But the state of our mental health has never been lower. So let me read that statement again. The use of counselors and therapists have never been higher, but the state of our mental health has never been lower. So they're basically asking, were, do counseling, does counseling actually work? Because if you look at statistics, our mental health state has never been lower and the use of counselors have never been higher. So like are counselors the reason that basically our mental health is low? To that, I would say, one, it's a very interesting take, and two, um, no, I don't, I don't think that's the reason that our mental health has, has never been higher, and I say that for a few reasons. Um, 
In today's age, we are faced with more distractions than we ever have been before in life. The use of social media has never been more prominent. Um, another thing, too, is drug usage ha has also never been as prominent. Um, addictions. In 2020, for instance, the drug usage was the highest it's ever been. So, yes, this is truly unprecedented times, and we are faced with more distractions in life than we ever have before. So, yes, the use of counselors and therapists have never been higher, but we also, as a... Um, country have never been almost in a lower place. I mean, we're, we're on the backside of a pandemic where people were locked up in their houses. Um, and which is why, for instance, in 2020 drug usage was the highest it's ever been because, um, we were locked away. It was affecting people mentally. And so we're on the outskirts of that now, but we're having to deal with the repercussions of all of that stuff, which is why I believe that people are struggling with their mental health as well as I, I also believe that the use of counselors have never been higher because people are actually going and seeking help. So no, I don't think that it's the counselors or therapists fault that we are um, struggling with our mental health. So I think that's coming from, and that's also coming from someone like myself who's had an awful experience with counselors um, from the get-go or I guess past pastors per se. Um, and so Basically, you have to understand that and you have to realize that there we are in unprecedented times in 2023. Like we really, really are. And there are things that happened in the last few years that we have never had to face before. Um, and so you've got to realize that um, one of the last misconceptions that I'll talk about that is very um, interesting and that I believe a lot of people need to hear, not all pastors are are trained in necessarily dealing with mental health issues. There are a lot of people who say, well, if God is enough, like I'm never going to see a, you know, like you don't need to see a therapist, but you'll go see your, your head pastor at your church. Now, I think seeking godly counsel and wise counsel, counsel like your pastor is an amazing thing, but you also have to realize that those people are also sinful people who struggle with da things daily that are just in a biblical leadership role. Um, so you can't put all your eggs in one basket and say like what they say is the end all be all and that, you know, they prayed over me and laid hands on me, but I don't know why I'm healed or they said I need to do this. So I have to do that. I think seeking wise counsel is so important and seeking biblical counsel is so important, but I think you can also do that in a more productive way by going and seeking a Christian counselor who will give you that wise biblical counsel, but also has been to school for two, three, four years and has studied what's going on in your brain, why your brain is doing this, what are some potential traumas of your past, stuff like that, that a that a, a pastor has maybe only taken one class on. Um, now, I think going and seeing a pastor to talk about different things is great, but you also have to realize that not every pastor is a counselor. Um, so just take what they say with a grain of salt. Now, I believe that they can help you in tremendous ways where there have been pastors in my life that have, but also I have benefited from going and actually seeing a licensed professional counselor because they have been to school for years and years and they also are Christians. So they're able to help me in that aspect and both aspects because my faith was something that got me through the real rough patch of what I was going through um, and still go through today. So I think that people also have to realize that Another thing that I would just say as an encouragement is 
check in with the people around you. Like you never really know what someone is going through unless they open up to you about it. Like I used to put on such a brave face that nothing was wrong. Like people in my life didn't know that anything was wrong with me unless I told them. For instance, my family was like, I would have never guessed that anything was ever wrong with you. Um, and I fooled them for six months. Like I put on a brave face, didn't know what I was struggling with, like and all those things. And I was able just to fool them. Um, and I think it's so important because men definitely do this a lot more than women do, but we, we are afraid to break down the walls that are in our lives because we're afraid that people are going to judge us or we're not going to look macho or we're not going to look like a man, but a strong man is someone who acknowledges when they have messed up or acknowledge when something is wrong in their life and that they need help. Like, guys, if we could do everything on our own, we would do that, but we can't. So you have to have people around you that are there helping and supporting you. So be intentional to, like, reach into those, you know, the people around you and ask how they are. Because sometimes there aren't people aren't going to really tell you how they are unless someone asks them how they are. Um, another astounding fact that I would say, too, um, is I was talking to my counselor about this today, and obviously I'm not going to name drop or anything like that, but she was saying that out of 28, she sees about 28 people per week, 28 people per week, and I'm the only guy that goes to her um, and sees her, which is astounding to me because it's like I'm truly one of the only people that go, I guess, and see her, Um out of 28 people, which is, which is astounding, like 27 of those are females and 20 and one of those, which is me are males. Now I understand you might be like, man, why do I, why do I go see a female counselor? Well, there's a few reasons. I think that, um, one at the time, it was one of the only people that were open when I wanted to go to counseling and it didn't bother me that I was going to see a female Two, I grew up with all girls in my family. I grew up with three sisters and a mom. Um, I have gotten used to opening up to girls. Uh, I have no issue being able to do that. Um, but I also understand that there are some topics in your life that are more comfortable to talk about with a man. Now, I bet if, if you were to go talk to um, a male counselor, a majority of those people that go see him are probably male. And there are a lot of guys that say, hey, I would rather go see a um, male counselor. And that's totally cool. Um, but for me, I just didn't think it was a big deal that I go see a female counselor and she was one of the only ones that was open. And I've had, we've struck up a, a phenomenal relationship and I'm so grateful for, her. um, another thing too, for me is a lot of times, uh, women are more in touch with their feelings. And that is something that I think men should learn from because we are not in touch with our feelings. And if we are, we don't necessarily know how to properly, um, handle them, if that makes sense or, um, channel them may, might be a better way to say that. But uh, going to a female counselor, like she has allowed me to be able to open up and, and just be more in touch with my feelings. And some some macho men out there that, that are listening to this me, but might be like, oh, that's, you know, that is not masculine. One, I don't really care what you think. Two, the strong man is someone who isn't afraid to open up. Um, and so like, I've thoroughly enjoyed my counseling experience. Um, my counselor, she is phenomenal. Um, and she has helped me grow in so many areas that I didn't know that I could even grow. Um, again, all because I decided to go seek a seek wise counsel in my life. 
Uh, and I encourage you to do the exact same thing. Be intentional about the people you are letting pour into your life. Uh, you've got to ask yourself, are they wise counsel? Um, are they giving you biblical counsel? Are they, um, you know, giving you sound, sound advice that a lot of, if you told other people what they were saying that other people would agree with you on. I say that to just be intentional. Um, so to kind of wrap things up with the whole topic of counseling, do your best to seek wise counsel in your life, whether it has anything to do with mental health or not. It might be spiritually spiritual advice. It might be um, other things or anything like that, but be intentional about um, seeking wise counsel. And then I want to encourage you with like your own journey is your own journey and you have to figure out what works for yourself. Um, I'm not saying that you absolutely have to go see a counselor or therapist because that ultimately not, might not be what's best for you, but at least go, go trek that journey. If that, if that is something you haven't tried and something that you've, um, been thinking about, I say, go for it, shoot your shot, go for it, see how it is. You're not going to ever regret investing in yourself. Um, and that's one an area that you can definitely invest in because it's helping you mentally. And if it's able to help you perform better in work or school or just family life, social life, then it's beneficial. So go, go trek your own journey. I'm all for that. Go do that and figure it out for yourself. Again, I'm a huge proponent of counseling and therapy and um, whether you have mental health struggles or not, it doesn't have to be, hey, I've struggled with mental health, so uh, I need to go do this. I think a lot of people have the mindset that only people with mental health go to or people with traumas in their life, past traumas, they're the people that go to, um, you know, a counselor or a therapist. But I am a huge proponent that whether you are struggling with mental health struggles or have ever struggled with mental health struggles or not, go in and, and do that. Go in and see a counselor, talk to them. It, it, it'll be beneficial in your life. So that's really all I have in terms of counseling. Um, I did talk with my counselor, like I said, actually today, and I'm trying to find, I took notes when she was talking about it. So I'm trying to find, um, oh, here we go. Some misconceptions that, and this is from an actual counselor. So I, I want you to hear. I segment, I segmented this part so that you knew the th my thoughts and my opinions, and then what my my counselor was saying. Um, she said a lot of different things that she sees that are a lot of common misconceptions are a lot of the ones that I already said, but these were the ones that I hadn't put out there. She said a lot of people have had the idea of if I can function how I am now, then nothing's wrong with me, um, or if if I've been able to function for you know, multiple years with anxiety or depression, then I don't need to go seek help. But that couldn't be further from the truth because yes, you might be able to function. Your body will learn how to function, but you might not be getting the best version of yourself out there. And you should go, you deserve the best version of yourself. Like you deserve that. So go out and seek where you can try to find those areas of your life where are lacking and go do that. For instance, um, I just got put on ADHD medicine about two months ago and ADHD is something that I've struggled with for 20, I'm 21. So really for 21 years, um, and I'm able to function without my medicine. I'm just not able to function in an incredibly, um, efficient way. So when I started taking my ADHD medicine, which I hadn't take for, taken for 21 years, I started taking it and it was like, I unlocked a whole new version of myself. Like I was so productive. I, I love who I am on the medicine and I have been so much more beneficial. Again, 
it's because my mind was trying to focus on a million different things um, and it just couldn't focus on one thing at all. So yeah, I could function fine for without my medicine, but I am choosing to be a better version of myself by taking my medicine. Um, so if you have any type of like questions or anything about medicine, counseling or anything like that, therapy, my experiences, shoot me a note. I'd love to hear from you. Another thing that she said too is, um, oh, this was a good, I guess, biblical slash spiritual, spiritual quote that I was like, dang, that's really good for people that believe that God is enough and you don't need any of this stuff. I come to you today and I, I put this before you church isn't a museum for the righteous. It is a hospital for the broken. Whew. Let's tear that down a little bit. Church isn't a museum for the righteous, but a hospital for the broken. Again, so let's tear down that second part. Church is a hospital for the broken. We are all broken and sinful people because we live in a broken and sinful world. None of us are perfect. We all have sin struggles. We all um, experience byproducts of sin. And a lot of a byproduct of sin is, um, you know, different things that are wrong with us. You know, cancers in the world. Well, if we lived in a perfect world, we wouldn't have to deal with cancer. It's a byproduct of sin. Mental health struggles are the same way. Um, and so I say like, yes, God is a vital tool to help you, but you also have to realize that we are broken people who are saved by grace, redeemed by the blood of Jesus, but we are not perfect and we are going to struggle with things. And that is okay. Um, moving on to some biblical encouragement that I wanted to, uh, give y'all. I actually did a video about this, um, the other week uh, on one of my social medias, and I'm trying to pull it up now. I'm pulling up my Bible. Um, it's out of Mark, and it is when Jesus feeds the 5,000. Um, so this story is a story that obviously is very well known, and it's very um, influential and a lot of people don't know like the backstory of it so let me let me try to find it real quick just bear with me boom okay mark six we're in mark six so some things i wanted to say before i jump in so jesus feeds the five thousand is one of his most amazing miracles that he's ever done um, but a lot of people don't understand the backstory. So everyone uh, knows John the Baptist. John the Baptist was um, one of Jesus' best friends. I mean, it, John the Baptist was sent to prepare the way for Jesus um, when and, and talk about his coming. John the Baptist ultimately baptized Jesus as well. So they had a very close bond. So John the Baptist, um, Jesus had sent out his 12 disciples to kind of in, in pairs to kind of go around um, the surrounding region and, and talk about um, basically their need for repentance, the people's need for repentance, because there was going to be a, a day and a time in which they were judged. Um, and so he sends them out and eventually they all um, come back and meet up again. And during this, um, I guess, sending out, uh, some of the dis disciples had learned that John the Baptist had been murdered. Um, and so John the Baptist's head was was cut off. Um, and so 
they tell Jesus this news, and this is the first Jesus is ever hearing of this, and Jesus is obviously um, is mourning the loss of his friend. I mean, John the Baptist was very meaningful to him, and so after all the disciples came back, he said, all right, disciples, let's go to basically to the other side of the lake to rest. Um, Jesus wanted to go over there to mourn. He wanted to be with his disciples, um, and so they get in a boat, and they start their way to the other side of um, the lake. However, some locals had caught wind that that's where Jesus was going. And so when Jesus finally arrived with his disciples, there was a, a, a major crowd there. Um, so you can imagine that Jesus is, is hearing the news and processing the loss of one of his best friends. And then all of a sudden he gets out and sees this massive crowd. Um, personally, I would have been like, crap, like this is the last thing that I want to deal with right now. But Jesus, it very specifically talks about in Mark, Mark 6, he says, I have, I have compassion on them. Like he brought his disciples together and basically they got in a huddle and said, guys, I have compassion on these people. Like we need to do something for them. So what he starts doing is he starts preaching to them. He starts telling about who he is, what his ministry is, his father, his coming. Um, he starts preaching the gospel and, um, all of a sudden he starts preaching. This is in the afternoon. He preaches the gospel. He tells them, um, about himself and, Eventually, it gets late, and he and he the disciples say, Jesus, we need to disperse of them because they need to get home and they need to eat. And so Jesus basically has the grand idea to say, well, you know, basically, let's feed them. And so um, he does a miracle where he blesses the food. He, ha- he had some loaves and fish, but it was not enough to feed 5,000 people. He separated them in groups, and then he went in. Um, he created a miracle, basically, and multiplied those the little bit he had, and he had like 12 baskets left over after he'd fed everybody. But he ended up being able to feed 5,000 plus people that were there off of a few bread and a few fish because of the miracle that he had done, um, all in God's power. And so I, I, I tell you this to say that not only did God feed them physically with loaves of bread and loaves and then fish, but he also fed them spiritually first. So I want you to know that God, if you ask God to feed you spiritually, like he will feed you spiritually. You just have to ask for it. Like there is nothing that he would rather do than to hear your cry out and say, Lord, like I've been struggling recently being intentional about getting in your word. Like God, I I just need a, I need a fire relit within me to do that. He will do that for you. You just have to be honest and acknowledge where you're at. And the closer you draw to God, the closer he'll draw to you. John, it says in, um, Oh gosh, don't quote me on this because it might might be in James. It's either James or Hebrews, I think, or Ephesians. I'm not sure. But it says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Um, and so be intentional about drawing near to God in that. So the story goes on a little bit. And after he feeds the 5,000, they eat, they disperse. Um, it's nighttime at this point, And I can imagine Jesus is probably just exhausted as well as the disciples. So he says to the disciples, go go get in the boat and go back to the other side of the lake. Um, I'm going to go up to the mountain and pray. So you have to realize that this was the first time that Jesus was able to get away and get alone since hearing the news of John the Baptist. So he's obviously distraught, but he needed that one-on-one time with Christ. It's a good reminder in our life that like, when we struggle with different things in our life, what's the response of Jesus here? He ultimately goes to his father. And just because he was hurting and struggling 
with the, the mourning and the death of his friend, he didn't stop doing the Lord's work. That was actually his first response to when he heard the news of John the Baptist. He turned it and he did work for the Lord. He gave God the, all the honor and glory. So his response here is so encouraging because he didn't just shut down. He didn't isolate himself because the devil, that's exactly what the devil wants you to do. He wants you to isolate himself, but he desires for us to be in community with one another. That's what Jesus desires. He desires us to be in community with one another. He was in community with the disciples. He was in community with the 5,000. He not only fed them physically, but he met their needs spiritually as well. He fed them spiritually. Um, and that's what Jesus does. He feeds you spiritually and he meets your needs spiritually. Also, he meets our physical needs. So he goes to the top of the mountain, has his one-on-one time with Jesus. The disciples are making their way back to the other side of the island. He comes down the mountain at this point and he sees out on the water that the disciples are struggling to get back to the other side of the island or other side of the pond or lake because there's a massive headwind. So they're not making much headway at all. So the disciples who have just performed and worked out a miracle with Jesus are now having to struggle to get back to the other side of the island in the middle of the night. They couldn't see where they were going. But Jesus sees their struggle. Jesus sees their struggle. So what does Jesus do? He observes them. He observes their struggle first. He acknowledges their struggle. And then he meets them in their struggle. He walks out on the water. The disciples look and they think they see a ghost and they're freaked out. So Jesus acknowledges like Jesus acknowledges that they're scared and immediately when Jesus acknowledges that they're scared he meets them with their with his voice and it says do not fear. And in um, immediately the disciples knew that it was Jesus. And they're basically like what in the world this dude who's early in their ministry this is early in Jesus' ministry the disciples are still trying to figure out everything that Jesus is. They see him multiply bread and fish and are absolutely dumbfounded and are still trying to figure out how in the world he did that and then a few minutes later he goes over and they see them him walking on water so they're like who the heck is this man like we know he's jesus we know he's the messiah but like what is he capable of doing like how how much is he capable of doing because we've just seen him do something amazing and so all of a sudden We've gotten to the point where they observe, where Jesus observes their struggle. He then meets them in their struggle by walking out on the water to them. And when they are fearful of the storm of life, when they are fearful of the storm of life, God meets them and comforts them with his voice. And God will do the same for you. When you are fearful of the different storms of life that you are going through, God is able to comfort you with his presence. And I'm going to take the story one step further because the Bible takes it one step further. Jesus didn't just comfort him with their with his voice from a distance, but he went in and met them and got in the boat with them. And then he calmed the storm. So when you are going through storms of life, when you are going through storms of life, Jesus not only desires for you to go to him with those storms and he not only desires to comfort you in those storms but he is willing to sit there with you through those storms of life you just have to give him a seat so let me talk talk to you about this one more time jesus observes the disciples struggling he meets them out there on the water and meets them with his voice 
talks to them so that they know that he is there. And not only does he stop there, but then he goes and gets them and meets them in their struggle. He meets them in the boat with the storm, and then he calms the waters. So let's look at this from a disciple's point of view. You've been with Jesus. You've seen him do miracles. You've seen him heal the people. You've seen him do turn water into wine. You've now seen him feed 5,000 people. You have now seen him walk on water. And then you see that he has the ability to calm the ocean. Guys, that is the God we serve. Again, guys, that is the God we serve. The same Jesus that sat down and died for you, that was hung on a cross and and died for you, the death that we should have, the death that we are all due. Jesus sat there and died on the cross for your sins and for you. We serve the same God that multiplied bread and fish and, and fed so many people spiritually and physically. We serve the same God that has the ability to calm the oceans and storms of life. We serve the same God who has the ability to die on the cross and take our punishment. We serve the same God that heals the sick, that heals the blind, that can heal cancer, that can heal that storm in your life. So my encouragement to you today is don't underestimate the power of God because we have a God that was so more than willing to sit in, in the storms of your life and sit with you and hold your hand. And there's nothing that he desires more than for you to hear his voice. So I ask the question today, where, where are you ignoring his voice? Where are you ignoring his voice at in your life? Or where are your ears so turned off that you can't hear his voice? Because you're choosing to go listen to other people. You're choosing to not seek wise counsel. You're choosing to do the things that aren't beneficial for your life. Ask today, where are you being intentional about seeking God's voice? And where are you missing God's voice? Because there is nothing sweeter than the voice of God. And if you want to hear the voice of God, you say, okay, Colby, I'm ready to hear the voice of God, but where do I do that? How do I do that? You, there's no better way to hear and seek the voice of God than in God's word, because God will speak to you. There's no better way to hear and seek God's voice than to hear it in God's word, because it is the written and God-breathed scripture. Now, I know I've dropped a lot on you in this episode, and I hope that it was encouraging. I tell you this story in Mark because it was so encouraging and convicting to me to turn my ears on to what the Lord has for my life. So the last question that I'm going to leave you, and you can interpret this question how you want, but is your yes on the table? If God calls you to do something that you deem absolutely crazy, is your yes on the table? We serve a God that, ha- that, that can heal anything. I've seen him do it. I've seen him heal cancer. I've seen him heal mental health. I've seen him do so many things. And if we all sat down together today and just sat down and and listened to the stories of Jesus, we would see and we would hear that a lot of people have some pretty awesome stories about Jesus, our Savior. So is your yes on the table? Are your ears open to him? Because if they're not, 
I think we should reevaluate where we're at. But if they are, don't be complacent and don't get complacent to the point of, well, my ears are open. I just don't hear God. Well, are you seeking God? Are you wanting to hear him? Get to the point where you can hear him. Get to the point where you don't just get content with going about everyday life and not doing anything or not hearing his voice. Get to the point where you're seeking him every day through his word so that you can hear him. I hope this episode was an encouragement to y'all. I love you all. Thank you so much for the encouragement that you continue to give to me. Give to the team at Equipped. Um, Our team is growing and I'm so thankful for it. Uh, We've actually added a new team member recently that we'll introduce to you at another time. Um, But I'm so blessed and I'm so honored uh, to be the host of this podcast that God has honestly just been so amazing and it's all glory to God. I am simply just used as a vessel um, for what he has for this, for equipped. Um, I'm so excited. We have a lot of very exciting announcements coming soon in the next month or so. Um, we have some really cool things ahead that I'm just so thrilled for. I can't wait to get them out to you guys. I hope you have a great weekend and I hope you ponder what I've said. Um, not only just about counseling, but just about, are we turning our ears open for Christ or are we turning our ears open to the world? I love you guys. I hope you have a great weekend. Peace out.